let's let's look really quick. Let me read this uh, from the staff of Moses. They they talk about this parable that goes on in Matthew chapter 22 verses 1 through 14. And, and basically they say that, um, you know, in this parable, there's this heavenly wedding banquet um, that Jesus told about. Uh, and he said, the saints are always described as those who are invited, the guests, and not as the bride. Um, and so, so we'll, we'll read through a little bit of this parable. And in, in response to the parable, they say, um, in this parable, the son of the king stands for Jesus, who came as the son of God. Then who are the guests that are invited? Uh, we see that they, they are the saints when we refer to the word chosen. In another parable, and they refer to Mark 2, 18 through 20, Jesus likened the saints to the guests at the wedding banquet. So they're, so they're just, again, they're, they're making this point of like, look, look at all these parables that Jesus gave about this wedding. And the saints are referred to multiple times as those who are invited or the guests of the wedding. So they're saying the saints in these parables aren't the bride, they're the guests. And so who is the bride? And, and, and again, this is, this is one of their, it can be, it can't throw you off if you're hearing this for the first time. Um, but it, it's not as compelling and as strong as they uh, make it out to be. Well, Jordan, I said, I said earlier, I said parables like apocalyptic literature are both highly metaphorical in language. And you're not supposed it, to right. push the language. I have actually a quote here. Uh, by uh, author Trafton in his, uh, his uh, Come to Revelation. He says, to ask questions about the relationship of the invited guests to the bride, e.g., since the bride represents the church, who else would be invited, is to press the language too literally and hence to miss the point. This is still a picture. The marriage of the Lamb has arrived and it far surpasses everything else in importance. So it's the idea you can't do violence to the language, whether it's a, a metaphor, a parable. Right. You know, they're just illustrations of the bigger point trying to be made. You know, we talk about eisegesis and exegesis. Eisegesis, E-I-S on the front, uh, that is the Greek for into. And that's how you read into a passage instead of exegetical. We read the meaning out of a passage in hermeneutics, which is biblical interpretation. You get, you know, this is not explicitly taught that there's a mother godness passage, but they're trying to imply it. You know, that's it. The same way here um, under uh, in their book, they try to say, well, those who are invited, and they're kind of taking it backwards here off this metaphor, and they're trying to say, well, you know. You know, uh, brides are not invited to their own wedding, but guests are, therefore. But then again, they're trying to follow this metaphor in the subcategories of the very concept of invitation and trying to build a doctrine on this again, which is another big fallacy. Yep. So this is, Matt, this whole idea, this whole parable in Matthew 22, um, these parables where the saints are referred to as the guests, this is a big, a big point for them, or they think it is. This is something that they'll really focus on, I think, um, especially with, with you know, at least it, that's been my experience in conversations with them. But I, th I think it's important really quick, um, if I, I don't wanna read through the whole parable, but just to point out that if you read through this parable that they'll go to, uh, Matthew 22, 1 through 14. If you read through it, what you'll notice that I think is extremely significant um, that goes right along with everything you're saying, Steve, is that there's never even a mention in this parable of a bride. Th this parable doesn't even mention a bride. Absolutely. Can I, can and I, the can reason, I, can I, 
Can I butt in real quick? This is yeah, kind of well, funny. The, I think the reason is exactly what you're saying, Steve. Is it, I mean, that's not the purpose that Jesus, Jesus' purpose here wasn't to convey the, the symbolism of the bride. Um, this is just an example where the church, is, the symbolism of the, 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 the guests, the, the guests to the wedding was the appropriate uh, symbol to, to explain what he was trying to get across. Just as some places the lamb was the appropriate symbol to use for Jesus. Other, other places the, the bride of Christ was the, the right uh, symbol to use to get across his point. But here he didn't, he didn't bring up the, the bride because it wasn't his point. Go, sorry, go ahead, Kelsey. So <laughs> one funny thing I kind of want to bring up is actually they're very well aware that the word bride is not in this parable at all. And they actually use that as a, trans, a transition uh, to Revelation 19. Right. Because, because they say, well, here, it's, it's talking about a wedding banquet, right? But there's no mention of the word bride. That's because the time frame for the bride to appear was not 2,000 years ago, but in the last days. So they actually, they actually consider Matthew 22 as proof of Jesus testifying that there exists a God the Mother. Simply because, not, so it's, they're yeah. almost saying like, look, Jesus didn't mention the wife. He didn't mention the bride here. So who is it? Like, obviously, right? well, so you're saying it, her, they almost her, used that silence as supposed evidence to support. Yeah. So they, they, they use this as an example of Jesus testifying because, because people will tell us like, people would tell us like, you know, Jesus never spoke of a God, the mother. And we would be like, actually, yeah, he did. He, he alluded to it in Matthew 22. But the reason why he didn't speak openly about it is because the time for her to appear was not 2000 years ago, but in the last days. And then they show Revelation 19 where it says the, the bride has made herself ready. Right. So the bride and, and, will be made ready in Revelation time, which is in the last days. And they okay. also say that uh, Revelation 19, this whole passage, happened in 1984. You know, we look mm -hmm. at this as a future event. So, like I said before earlier, there's different theological schools on this. Some Christians would say that the wedding guests are the Old Testament saints. I don't uh, believe in that school of theology. I would say that, you know, the church is both. Um, but in the same school of theology, they would try to put Revelation 19 in a certain sequence. I say that the whole idea of the marriage supper, you know, here, um, it's basically a hymn. If you look at the, the the context of Revelation, you know, it's basically a hymn from the saints where they're first in the first couple of verses, they're talking about, you know, how great it is that Babylon has fallen in verses one and two. And that's reiterated in two and three. Uh, and then, or sorry, three and four, I believe. And then uh, verses four, uh, the next few verses, they go into the idea of this whole idea of the marriage supper. And I say this, it's its not on that timeline in Genesis the way I would see. I would say the actual wet marriage supper is occurring when Revelation 21, because that's the idea when she comes down as a bride in the first verses of Revelation 21. And that's kind of at the time on the timeline when it happens. And that's kind of after Christ comes again in Revelation 19.11. So... The WMSCOG looks at this parable, this parable that is referring to a wedding. The, the saints are being referred to, they're symbolized as the guests. And then they'll take that, and this is such a big deal for them. And they'll say, well, who is, who is the bride? Uh, and they'll kind of assume 
that we have this like biblical responsibility to discover the identity of the bride. And in my mind, I'm just thinking, what, like, why are you doing that? Like Jesus didn't mention a bride in this parable. And so that wasn't his purpose. To me, it's like, I'm trying to think of an example that maybe you guys can help me with. Like think of another parable where like either we or something else is re like referred to, like like the mustard seed maybe, where mm -hmm. like, like faith is referred to as like this mustard seed. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like, like, okay, well, if there's a mustard seed, there must also be ground that seed. that, a ketchup oh. seed. And so, well, yeah, well, anything like that. So it's like, okay, well, who is well, the ketchup seed or who, who do you, it, do you it kind of goes, see where I'm going? It's like, what? Yeah. It all goes I back to what you. I said before. It's the main point of the illustration. And, you know, you just got to stick with it. Sometimes, like you said earlier, they can talk about, you know, bridegrooms without mentioning the bride because there's an overarching point of the metaphor. It's just merely an illustration. This was a vision given to John and, you know, it's about the consummation, you know, the, the final union of the Redeemer and his people that, you know, they, they had ideas in the Old Testament about this banquet and the ideas in the Old Testament of Israel being the bride revealed as a church. And, you know, again, it all goes down to what's being illustrated in that passage. Yeah, Let's not so make the same mistake. Let's not right. make the same mistake they are. Yeah. You, if, if Jesus didn't mention a specific character in a parable, then there's no, there's no obligation for us to, to try to figure out who this Place character, character would be if if they were mentioned. So it's almost like, I mean, this is this isn't the greatest. Shouldn't there also the, be a priest there, somebody to yeah, officiate exactly. the wedding? Yeah, exactly. There like, you go. So. Exact no, that's that's exactly it. Like like okay, well who is the, the officiator? That's of the absolutely wedding? a required for um, a wedding. You know, you could even go as stupid as saying, like, well, at a wedding there's chairs, and so what do the chairs symbolize? Mm -hmm. What what do where's the, the you know, where's the where's the church that they're gonna get married into? Yeah, and what does that symbolize? Okay. Yeah. So it's just it's just not good rationale for them to jump from this illustration, this this parable, to assume that we have to find the identity of the bride because that's not the point. That's an example of pushing a parable to or to apocalyptic a place literature or apocalyptic apocalyptic literature to a place where it's not intended to go. Well, also that they say one other point that they make is that they say this is a parable of a wedding banquet. Why did Jesus use a wedding banquet to illustrate this point? Right, because mm -hmm. a wedding, you know. A very critical piece of a wedding is a bride. So I think that they would try to make that point is that why is right. it a wedding banquet? But and I think I think you could you could respond, Kelsey, with what you exactly what you just said. Like, yes, I, it's granted a bride is a very important aspect of a wedding banquet, but there's many other important aspects, mm -hmm. you know. What about the mother of the bride? Who, who, who mm -hmm. and, and so so let, let me the just servants. Read the, yeah, the servants, even, yes. That's not so, so let, too far. Let me with just, let me just read this, and, and, and I think th these are just some of the thoughts I had about their their use of this parable. Um, these are just some of my thoughts that I wrote down. See if this makes sense, and we'll maybe try to, to wrap it up with this. So, um, once again, the, the World Mission Society Church of God takes this parable too literally. They assume that since the guests are pictured by the saints in this parable— then that must mean the bride in this chapter is a separate entity than the saints. But notice this parable doesn't even mention a bride. 
for the WMSCOG to add a bride to this passage is to add to the words of Jesus and to assume a purpose for this parable that Jesus doesn't give. This parable serves a specific purpose to speak about the gospel being like a, a wedding invitation that we either receive or refuse. The purpose of the parable isn't that we should find a symbolic meaning behind every possible character who would be involved with that wedding. The parable doesn't even mention a wife, and so we have no biblical obligation to provide a meaning for who this wife represents, being that based upon this parable, there is no wife mentioned. So if the WMSCOG's logic is correct here, and we are obligated to find a meaning of the bride in this parable, even though she's not mentioned, then to be consistent, we should also find a meaning to the wife of the father in this parable as well. So remember, the person's oh, being married. The person's being married here are the son, the, the father is here, and it's the it specifies that it's the, the son of the father, I think, who who's the one hosting this this giving this wedding banquet. He's the one preparing it. And so if we have to find an identity of the son's wife, then we should find the identity of the father's wife. Both the father and son here are representative of God. And so here's, here's kind of how I conclude this. Um, think about this. In this parable, the son or the bridegroom has a father. Well, if he has a father, then by necessity, he must also have a mother. It's not only the bridegroom in this parable who would have a bride. This father has a wife too, doesn't he? So who is this wife of the father? If the WMSCOG is correct and the bride in this parable is symbolic of mother God, or I guess that should be the other way around. If, if, if uh, no, that is correct, sorry. Um, if, if the WMSCOG is correct and the bride in this parable is symbolic of mother God, then the wife of the father must be a, a third or a second female deity, a third deity, grandma God. Now we've got grandma God. If the WMSCOG is correct and we have to find symbolic meaning for the wife of the bridegroom in this parable, then to be consistent, they should find a meaning for the wife of the father. Um, and so- But that's what I happens think, when you push it too far. This is reductio That's when you push it too far. Right. Reductio ad absurdum. <clears throat> to me, it makes right. perfect sense that, that if this, this wife of the bride is a symbol of a mother God, then the father, right, who also has a bride, and the father in this parable, this is obviously would be symbolic of God the father. He has a wife too. So there must be a grandma God. That seems like the logical working out, like if you just rationally follow the logic and you, and you say, okay, the WMSCOG is correct in their reasoning, then that's where you should logically, rationally, I'd say even biblically end up where now you've got a, a grandpa God, you've got a, a, a mother God, you've got a grandma God, and you've got God the son. So that's, oh. let's, take it, let's, let's take it on both sides of the spectrum here. So that's kind of reductio ad absurdum. You're mocking the idea just Once to show again. how, look, yeah, where you can get to. But right. on a more basic level, a more obvious level, you know, we haven't brought up that Revelation 19.9 is actually a beatitude. And just like Jesus had Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount, well, there's also seven Beatitudes in the book of Revelation. This is the fourth of the seven. You have in verse, you know, one verse three, blessed is he who hears the word of prophecy, and 14, mm -hmm. 13, 16, 15, uh, 19, 9, 
26, 20 verse 6, Revelation 22, 7 and 14. Those are the seven Beatitudes. And he's basically putting blessings upon people who do certain things. This verse, he's saying, blessed are those who are invited to the, the marriage supper of the Lamb. So on a very, very basic level, you know, this is a, a beatitude, a blessing to those who are, are partaking of it. Um, and, and that's the thing. It's a, basically a call to salvation. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's a perfect tense in Greek. You know, you have aorist, which is a completed action. You have uh, a perfect, which is an action that's, that's already done, but it has a relevance to the present time. And, you know, right here, it's, it's the idea of, you know, um, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And it has, a, it has a continuous action. It's rooted in the past, but it's got a, a continuous action to what's in the present right now, where we're, you know, it's a supportable. Those are, those are continuing to call up for that invitation for the people at this time. So you have to understand Revelation 19, verse 9, the sense of beatitude. I think that's really important to understanding the, the basic meaning yeah. of the verse. Yep. One other thing that I just noticed, too, is that Matthew 22, obviously, is talking about the 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 groom, the bridegroom, and the, the guests, right? But then in Revelation 19, verse 9, it says, The angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. It doesn't say, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb and the Bride. Mm. The, the emphasis land. is on the land. Interesting, right. right? So it's talking about the right because you could you could even do that same logic here in Revelation nineteen nine. It doesn't mention anything about a bride here, right? You would think right. that if she's of equal footing now that the veil has been lifted and, and she's been right. The concept of the world Messiah Church of God is that you know she was supposed to be kept in the last days. She's a, a bride. You know, the wife of the lamb, he, you know, lifts up the veil to reveal her to the rest of the people in, in WMSCOG thinking. So, you know, you should be on equal footing at this point now that she's fully revealed. But obviously, again, the emphasis is on the lamb. It's not on a second. Yeah, you know, that's interesting. That is very I think that's very significant, too. So in conclusion, they conclude this chapter and they say, therefore, it is wrong to insist that the wife of the lamb, the bride at the wedding banquet uh, referred to in Revelation uh, refers to the church. In the parable of the heavenly wedding banquet, the saints are the guests, not the bride. So that's kind of their conclusion of these, these parables. And, and I would just say, well, you know, the church, yes, the church, the saints are referred to as the guests here, but other places they're referred to as the bride. And so, um, and if, if you follow the rationale to to use this point that yes, the, the, the saints are the guests in these parables, and they say, therefore, who is who is the the wife? It must be Mother God. Like if you use their logic to reach that conclusion, then I think if you follow it, you're gonna arrive, you should arrive at, as we just said, a, a grandma God. Um, and a variety of other things. If you push those, if you push those parables in the same fashion that they are pushing them and trying to squeeze out meaning that I think Jesus never intended them to have, then you're going to arrive at all sorts of ridiculously crazy ideas. So, so okay, let's just, I think that's enough for this chapter. Let's try to summarize uh, here at the end. I think we, co we covered a lot. I think a lot of pretty, in my, in my opinion, not, not, not to boast on us, but I think uh, we covered some pretty good points here that, that to me, um, 
d really make these arguments not not look as strong as as they might think. So we were very so thorough. Kind of, I think we went deep. You know, we looked at the genre. We looked at basic logical principles. We looked at what the verses are saying. We said how this is not an only, you know, the only way you can understand this verse. Uh, and also the, the bigger issue to me, again, is the explicit teaching of Scripture cover to cover is that there's one God. And, you know, to try to, you know, look at some metaphor to build a doctrine in apocalyptic imagery is a, a critical mistake to, to base your salvation on that. Mm -hmm.